So let's look at Psalms 121. Psalms 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Let's look to Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for this church, Legacy Baptist Church. Lord, allow your word to penetrate hearts and lives, to meet needs, convict, whatever needs to be done in the hearts of individuals this morning. Lord, allow it to go on in our hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Amen. The superscription of the psalm tells us it's a song of degree. So what I'm told, that means that uh, individuals, worshipers, would, as they make their way to Jerusalem, would participate in singing this song through like uh, the Passover, Pentecost, and other feasts. Uh, now, I don't know the tune. I have no idea what the tune is. Uh, but with that in mind, it, it's plain to see that this is a pilgrim song. This wasn't one that you sat in your home on a cool evening and sang. This idea was uh, one that you would sing on the way to Jerusalem. And it talks about the dangers of the journey. So I kind of want you to uh, use your imagination that you're a pilgrim from wherever in Jerusalem or at Israel making your way to Jerusalem. All right? We just get that in that mindset. That really helps you understand this psalm. That you're on the way. You're a pilgrim. And this psalm tells us of the dangers of the journey. And it does tell us of the God who helps along the journey. And verse 1 is not so much a declaration of hope, but rather a cry of despair. You would see that in Jeremiah 3.23. It's uh, this idea is, shall I look to the hills for my help? Shall I look there? Is my help going to come from the hills? Rather, it's a cry of despair. So, you know, in that day, if you went on a long journey... You wouldn't get on Google and see where's the closest holiday in so I can park with my family. There was no highways like we know today. There was no exits. There was no, uh, uh, you know, mounties on patrol to make sure the thieves and robbers wouldn't take advantage of you and your family. Oh, this, the danger is lurking in the hills. You weren't excited. I mean, I love going to British Columbia to see the mountains. I love the mountains. I mean, just so beautiful. But for a pilgrim, the mountain wasn't so much beauty, it was danger. I don't know what's behind. I don't know what's in those hills. It could come after me. I'm in the valley. It could be very dangerous. And the psalmist is telling us the dangers that lurk in the hills above and an opportunity to wait to pounce on the weary traveler. So with that thought in mind, the psalmist says, where do I turn for help? Where do I turn? And the psalmist answers his own question by reminding us that the Lord is our help. Amen? The Lord. The Lord's our help. On April 1st, 1996, I realized that I was a sinner. I understood, I accepted that reality, and because of my sin, because I had not accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I was headed to a Christless eternity. It didn't matter about my good works. My good works were never going to save me. It didn't matter that I was trying to be moral and ethical and things of that nature. It didn't matter that I was going to a good, independent, Bible-believing Baptist church. 
None of those things save you. The reality is, I needed Jesus Christ. I needed to place my faith in Him. I understood that I was heading one way. I believe in this thing, and I turned from that and placed my full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. My full trust in Him. That day changed my life, amen? It transformed my life. I was no longer the same. Yeah, I was still Mark Alcock, but my spiritual condition, I was alive, no longer dead in my sins. I hope you've made that same decision. I hope you have. It's a decision I hope that you would testify as well has transformed your life. And if you're here this morning and you've made that most important decision of accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a pilgrim too. You're a Christian, obviously, but you're a pilgrim. The pilgrimage begins the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it continues through this whole life until you take your first step in eternity. And that's going to be wonderful, amen? Heaven's going to be marvelous, beyond our comprehension, beyond any words of description. But along the way, however, there is dangers that lurk. Not everyone is excited about your journey as a Christian. Not everyone is supportive of your pilgrimage as a Christian. There's times where there's, there'll be thieves who'll try to rob you of your peace and your joy. There'll be sins that will quench the fire of, in your heart for serving God. And there'll be problems that will come down upon you like a, a load of bricks. Now, I can't speak for anyone here this morning, but I know many of you, and many of you would give me the same testimony that I have been through situations like that, Pastor Mark. I have been. I have understood those times of being surrounded by danger, it seems. No matter where you are this morning, maybe you're not there. Well, I got some not so encouraging news that you probably will be soon in a place that's not really comfortable. It's kind of dangerous. It's not a place that you want to be. Well, I got great news. This psalm is just for you and for me. It encourages down that path, that pilgrimage. Let's look for a few months. You know, you get that problem. You ever had a problem and you're like, hey, help me. And someone says, hang on, help's coming. Hang on, help's coming. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. First of all, we see the source of our help. The source of our help, verses 2 to 4. My help cometh from the Lord. The psalmist knew that his help would not come from the actual hills of the Judean countryside. He understood that. You know, in the psalmist's time, and for times probably before that and after that, the hills have been places of idolatry, have they not? The high places, numerous times kings of Israel told them to cut down the high places. Idolatrous things were taking place there, uh, false religion. So no help can be found in what is false, correct? There's no help in the false. Help comes from the truth, Amen. From the truth. And the truth is our Lord and Savior. He is God Almighty. That's the source of truth. That is the source of help. Now, I'm not referring, you know, there's so many uh, references to God today and people use it in a very poor way. I'm not talking about some really good friend, though God is a very good friend. The Lord Jesus Christ is a very good friend. I'm not talking about a strong ally. There's no one greater than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the creator of the universe. He is your help. The creator of the universe. Just think about this. If God can make this world, then surely he has the power to take care of you. 
Sometimes we can get wrapped up in our problems pretty quick, can't we? Real quick, we can do that. You know, uh, uh, me and Matthew took the train to Nova Scotia uh, a couple of Wednesdays ago. We got on the train, and uh, it's, if you want to get somewhere fast, the train's not the way to do it. Okay, there was—I mean, I totally enjoyed it. It was a great time, and you're going to hear lots of stories about this in the weeks ahead. Okay, uh, but it took about 30 hours from Brampton to where we got off uh, in Truro, Nova Scotia, uh, and we saw some amazing things. So we went by Lake Ontario. It's beautiful. We went through the fields of, of all kinds of different, uh, there's ranches and cows and then there's wheat and corn and things. That was amazing to see. Uh, forest areas, you know, the further we went east, the, the, the forest seemed to get thicker. And, uh, the uh, St. Lawrence, beautiful. The coastal areas, some rig, I wouldn't call them mountains, but some pretty big hills in northern New Brunswick. Oh, man, it was just so wonderful. And then to go by uh, the Bay of Funday. You know, and, and when we bought the tide was going out so we could see all that brown clay and everything. That was super neat, super amazing, all by the hand of our Creator. By our Creator. He created it all. He's our helper. The one who created all those things, He's our helper. The, 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 the Creator who stood on the edge of nothing and declared with His words what we see around us is your helper. And that always gets me. He just spoke it. You know, if, any, if you've ever been in a position of authority, you understand that your words do hold some more weight than other individuals. If you're the manager or you're president of the company, whatever, uh, there is a degree of urgency in what you say. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You can't say as a manager, all cars park their white ray in the parking lot. It doesn't happen, right? Because your words stop. God spoke this world into existence. And He's the God who wants to help you if you would turn to Him. That's amazing. He's able to help you and me. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto Him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He's our confirmer as well. He's not only just our Creator. He's a confirmer. Verse uh, uh, number 3 there. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. And He keepeth thee will, will not slumber. This verse tells us the Lord will not allow our foot to be slip or to fall or to go wrong type of thing. God knows how easy it is for us to slip into sin or into discouragement. Yes, we must remember that He is ever with us and He promises to sustain us and to help us with His power, with His presence. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For I have said, I say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We need to remember that the Lord has never made a house that fell. Now, as we travel on the train, we saw kinds of all old farmhouses, some old houses by the coast. They're falling apart. But God's never built a house that fell apart. Now, nor a foundation that will ever crumble. No foundation that God's made will ever crumble. There will be times when we feel like giving up. And given in. And every one of us goes through those situations. No one's immune. But we need to realize that He's there to help us, to lift us out of that miry clay and establish our goings. We are constantly being reinforced and steadied, not by Pastor Mark's hand, but by the hand of God. Oh, I want to be encouragement. And I'm glad that I can be encouragement to Dr. Tison. Amen. 
I appreciate his friendship, and I'm glad I can be encouraged. I want to be encouraged with everyone I meet. But my encouragement falls way short than the almighty hand of God. I mean, he's there to sustain us and help us. Psalms 40 verse 1 says, I will patient, uh, wait patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me. He heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear it and trust in the Lord. What an amazing God we have. That He's there to sustain us. And there's those moments uh, uh, as individual believers that we know that we need the Lord to help us. We need the Lord all the time, but sometimes we're like, oh, I can do it on my own. That's when we get in trouble, right? I can do this all on my own. I got this one all figured out. Now we need the Lord. Uh, we need that Holy Spirit, the comfort to come and to guide us and to lead us. Uh, and the talks about that in John sixteen thirteen. He will be a guide unto you to all truth. And we need that. Boy, do we need it today. There's so much false. We need the truth. And He guides us that way. Picture Him as one. And it's just not this picture, but just a part of the picture. As He guides us to lead us the right way and directs us in our pilgrimage to assist us on our journey. So we left... Uh, Brampton on the train. We got the uh, Union Station, Toronto. We just had a, like a really short layover there, or I don't know if you call it layover with trains, but anyways, we got on the train in Toronto, and then we went to Montreal. And uh, there is one thing I miscalculated uh, with a nine-year-old boy and a 43-year-old man on the train. I didn't bring enough food. Okay, and uh, so by the time we got to Montreal, our Meager supply had been totally dwindled, okay? There was nothing left. All the egg sandwiches that stunk out the car were all gone, okay? And uh, so we got to Montreal. <clears throat> now, my French is not very good. It's really for French words for food is poutine. <laughs> and formage, which is the same thing almost. All right, so that's the max of my French words for food. So I was really going to bring up my French and talk really slowly in English. I want food. You know what we do when we go foreign country? We speak really slow English. We think everyone will figure it out. It doesn't work, right? Uh, so Matthew sees a subway. Now, subway is a universal sign. It doesn't change no matter what language you're in. So he saw that. I want subway. I said, well, that's better, better than a poutine. So, okay. I had no idea when I walked in that subway how I was going to order a six-inch turkey sub and a six-inch Cold cut trio, I think he wanted. So I walked up there with fear and, oh Lord, please let them know English. And this little, I'm pretty sure she's Filipino girl, looked at me and said, what would you want? I almost hugged her. <laughs> you don't know how much I want to hear that right now. Oh man, that was the best sub sandwich I ever had in my life. You know, the reality is the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and He guides us through those times, Amen. He's there to encourage us through those difficult times. Those times when we have... I mean, I know that's very frivolous. Food, well, no, actually, food is very serious. But the example, all right? The reality is, through the good times and the bad times, the Holy Spirit is guiding us. We need to be concerned about which way He wants us to go and having a sweet communion with our Lord. Be thankful for that. Be thankful for that reality. It's a blessing. He's our constant help. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. 
Not only does the Lord know that it's easy for us to sleep, uh, slip, sorry, He also knows that it's easy for us to sleep. There are times when we grow weary and want to rest. There's times when we, you know, when we get weary, we let our guard down, don't we? Because we're not focused as we should be. It's easy to do that. It's, we're human and we're caught napping in a situation. But never our Lord. He's never caught napping. He's ever awake, ever active on our behalf. He doesn't weary. He doesn't tire. He doesn't fall asleep at the switch. There's no need to worry, but boy, we're good at it. I'll be the first. I'm, I'm preaching this message to myself as much as you folks. I'm good at worrying. It's easy. But it just depletes your energy. It takes you away from what you need to be doing right now. Uh, so we shouldn't worry. We, we no need to fret. Chew our fingernails off. There's no need to, to lose a moment's sleep. At any time, because of a problem or other, God is ever awake and He's on the job. He cares about us. I love Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It's of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. That's our Lord. Back in the early days of World War II, the Germans were constantly bombing London and the surrounding areas and lots of other places in England as well. But one night in this particular neighborhood of London, the attack was very severe. And after the bombing had stopped, you know, they, they would get out and try to see if they could find anybody, look for the injured or on, if anyone had passed away. After a while, everyone had been accounted for in the neighborhood except for an elderly grandmother named Mrs. Smith. They searched everywhere for her. And then they finally found her in a place they never thought they would find her. She was in bed asleep. Now, I think part of that because she didn't have hearing aids back then. But at any rate, they were shocked. They woke, they actually physically had to wake her and like, Mrs. Smith, how could you sleep through all that bombing? There are bombs dropping everywhere. Her answer was priceless. She said, well, the Bible says, he who keeps Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. I decided there's no use in both of us staying up, so I went to sleep and left it in the Lord's hands. You know, I love leading that story, but that faith is there, amen, that we need to leave it with the Lord. And we need to do our part. We need to be responsible. Yes, yes, yes. But at the end of the day, the Lord will take care of it, amen. He's faithful. And we need to follow Him. Strength of our help, verse number 5, The Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Strength of our help. He protects us from our enemies. The Lord does. Now, I have read this psalm, I don't know how many times. Uh, in my own personal devotion life, I am constantly reading psalms. I mean, I read part of the other part of the Old Testament. I read the New Testament. But I'm always reading psalms. I love the psalms. Totally love them. And I don't know how many times I've read Psalm 121. But I didn't realize the significance of this verse until I started studying it out this week. So, shade on the right hand. We read that. It's like, oh, that's nice. Move on. Well, in ancient times, the warriors carried two items into battle. The sword and the shield. That makes sense. I think we're all familiar with that. Uh, one was the sword and the other shield. So, uh, normally, there wasn't too many left-handed individuals uh, at that time, or at least not recorded for us. So it was usually the right hand, the sword, right, and shield on the left. 
the prominent hand with the sword, and the lesser with the uh, shield. So that meant the right side was vulnerable to attack, right? The shield was for defense, the sword for offense, so you move your sword, then you open up for attack. That meant the right side was vulnerable. There was no shield of protection. The psalmist is telling us that God takes up a deliberate defensive position to protect us on the vulnerable side. I read that this week. I'm like, wow. Praise the Lord. That's what He's there for. He's there to protect us. Along with lots of other things, He's there to protect us. We never know from where our attacks will come. Sometimes we find ourselves attacked in areas that we're weak. That happens. Our enemy is always looking for a place to attack. Our enemies find up a weakness and they know that they exploit it, but sometimes they attack us where we're strong. I think about, uh, there's numerous examples of this in the Bible. I think about Elijah. Hey, he took on 450 prophets, priests of Baal. Now, I'm not much of a fighter. You know, I'm not looking for a fight. But I mean, one to one is, I mean, that's 50-50, right? Who knows who's going to win? I mean, two versus one, that's getting really scary. Three, four, I mean, like, I'm out. I'm fleeing the scene. 450. So there might be 170 people here this morning. Double that a couple times. I mean, twice for sure, and then add some more. That's how many. So I'm Elijah, I'm looking at it. Oh, I'm calling you the prophets of Baal, sorry. <laughs> hey, wouldn't you be intimidated? I know I would be. But he's still with great courage. God used him. And a few days later, he fled because Jezebel says, I'm going to get you. What? He had courage, but that day he did not. I believe that was his strong side, but he fled that day. I think of Moses. His greatest strength was meekness. The Bible talks about how meek Moses was. Yet in anger, he smote the rock and was forbidden into the promised land. We think of Abraham. We think of Abraham as a man of faith. And rightfully so. He was a man of faith. But you know, he went into Egypt in pure unbelief. So it doesn't matter our weak side or strong side. We need to be moving forward, doing the best that we can. But the enemy doesn't care about the weak or strong. He just wants to attack all the time. So we need to be watching out. Watching out for that. And thankful that God's there. He's watching. He's on, he's, he's on our vulnerable flank. He's there trying to help us. Always ready to shield us and protect us from our enemies. To give us the victory. He protects us from the elements. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Now, in this verse, the psalmist speaks of two possible sources of harm that come uh, to ancient soldier and folks who would travel at that time. One was sunstroke, the sun, uh, which we would call heat stroke, same thing. Uh, And uh, it's a dangerous condition, right? I mean, you don't want that. Uh, It uh, happens, your body overheats and it shuts down. Uh, and it, it can be fatal. It, I mean, if you don't watch it, it can be fatal. So I've not yet been to the Holy Lands, but from what I read and see and what people have told me, that would be a common threat to everyone all the time in that area because it could get hot. And if you're exerting yourself in battle, then you're wearing out, depleting uh, your uh, water resources and things. So that's something that everybody had to watch out for. The other one here is moonstruck. Now, I'm not talking about love here. All right. Uh, it's believed by the ancients to be just as dangerous as sunstroke. Now, moonstroke, unlike sunstroke, did not affect the body. It affected the mind. It affected the mind. Mental illness was thought to be caused by the moon in ancient days. 
That's how we get the word lunatic. I'm referring to the moon. People will go mad. Soldiers would go mad. Individuals would go mad with the moon in the darkness. The reality is, we're, this, this whole idea is that we're are subject to attack in our lives, our bodies, our minds. Isn't the old devil good at attacking the mind? Man, that's one of his favorite ploys. So the idea we're attacked in all different places, but God is on guard. He's on guard against the enemy from the outside, uh, the attack of the body, and then the mind. He's there to help us to protect against those attacks as well, whether in the open or in the secret, whether it comes by day or by night. The Lord's aware, and He's there, and He's helping us. Give you resources to stand in the day of trouble. Our God is a strong tower. Our greatest gift in troublesome times is to have Him to flee to. Amen? That's the idea here in Psalms 18.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My buckler, so that's a shield. My horn of my salvation and my high tower. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen any pictures of uh, you know castles like on top of a, a mount and there's only one way in. You know, I've, I've seen a few pictures of that, and it's pretty amazing. I've not been to a castle or a keep like that. But that's the idea here of the high tower. It's only accessible one way, so it's easily defended. And guess who the defender is? It's God. That's who we need to flee to in our times of trouble. The security of our hope. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out uh, and coming in from this time forth. And even forevermore. We're preserved from evil. The, you know, as in our flesh, in our flesh, we're like volcanoes or geysers. We don't know when we might next explode and do something wrong. Our flesh, right? And we, we, I mean, we need to be walking with the Lord, but we can react wrong. We can commit sin that we didn't think we could do. He's this flesh that we carry with us is utterly depraved. That's what the Word of God says, Romans 7, 18. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. So our flesh, we can't do it. So how, how are we going to serve the Lord? How are we going to do right? Well, it's, our hope is from God. Amen. It's through Him. The answer lies in knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. And at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit dwells within us and He empowers us to serve Him. And then we have all the resources necessary to serve and do right and to overcome temptation. To say no to sin. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There have no temptation taken you, such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. What a wonderful Lord, amen? He provides that for us. We're part of the family. He gives us the tools. He gives us the resources to stand. Have you ever noticed it's easy to sin? It requires no effort. It's just our default position. And that's, you know, and the, and the second reason is easy sin because it, we're born with it. We're bent in that direction. We're born with that sin desire. And we like it in our flesh. And you know, we don't need to take any courses to learn how to sin. You know, I don't, I didn't have to teach any of my kids how to be bad. 
I didn't have to sit down with them when they were one or two. Now, this is what you have to do to be a bad person. To be sinning, you need to do this. No, it's in our sin nature. In nature, it's just who we are. I'm so glad to know with the Lord's help, we can overcome evil. Amen? We can overcome it. If we have His desires in our hearts, if we're following Him. Hey, our enemies are roaring lions seeking who He may devour, but He cannot devour our God. And He stands for us. And we need to follow Him. We're preserved for eternity. The Lord will keep us. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Oh, we need to do that. Cast our care upon Him. And throughout the eternity, He will minister to us forevermore. That's a wonderful guarantee, folks. That's a priceless guarantee. And it's a simple reminder of the wonderful doctrine of the security of the believer. We are His and His forevermore. And He's given us liberty to do what's right. Not liberty to sin and do as we please and serve our flesh, our lusts, but to serve Him. We have the liberty to do that. Ah, and Jesus, we're preserved forevermore. Not like statues, though. We're not preserved like statues. We're preserved to do righteousness and to go forward for Him. Not to be monuments and do nothing for Him, but to do much for Him. This morning, your greatest need, hey, like I told you earlier, you know, we're in a bad spot. Help! Help! Someone says, hold on. Help's coming. Your greatest need this morning is Jesus Christ. Without a doubt, that's your greatest need. He transformed my life. He's transformed many lives here this morning. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me urge you, let me encourage you, let me plead with you to make that decision. At least find out some more about it. Let someone here at the church show you from God's Word how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Hey, it's not about going to a good church. I honestly believe with all my heart this is a great church, but a church is never going to save you. It's not about doing good works. It's not about having good morals, good ethics. No. It's about having a real and vital relationship with Jesus Christ. And that starts with accepting Him as Savior. I'm grateful this morning that I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I'm a, I'm a pilgrim in this world. Uh, what, what about you, a Christian, this morning? Uh, are, you, are you looking to the Lord to protect and guide and provide for you as you go forward in this pilgrimage? Uh, I'm glad that I don't have to look to an ever-changing world. Because our world is rapidly changing. I mean, I, I went to uh, Halifax uh, just recently. And man, it's changed in four years. I've had the opportunity to go there numerous times in the last four years. It's changed a lot in the four years. And not all for the better. Our world is rapidly changing. Guess what? God never does. And we can trust Him. There's security there, amen? We know that our God does not change. Uh, there's a great God in heaven who's interested in everything that happens to me. He knows your name. He knows your situation. Christian, He knows you. You're not lost in the multitude. He knows you. He cares about you. Bring those burdens to Him. Guess what? As, as the Father, your burdens as a son or a daughter is His burdens too. He wants to help you. Every good parent wants to help their kids. Wants to encourage them. Helps them along. My problems are known to Him and He wants to help me with those problems. My duty is to trust Him. 
His duty, which He never fails, is to take care of me. He's always performing His duty. The question is, am I performing mine? Am I performing mine? Do you need help from the Lord today? Do you need to come to the altar and give Him some burdens that's been on your heart and maybe some problems that are really holding you down? If so, come. Come to Him. My help cometh from the Lord, which have made heaven and earth.